Welcome to Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur, where I drink, discuss, and discover the world of distilled spirits. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. This is episode 47, and I'm drinking Luxardo Maraschino. For each episode of Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur, I hope to be well-researched and educational, also entertaining and consistent in my reviews. First off, I should mention that Luxardo is the brand and Maraschino is the product type. However, I'll often refer simply to the Maraschino as Luxardo for this episode. Luxardo as a brand has a range of products bearing the Luxardo name, but it's become synonymous with the flagship product, the Maraschino Liqueur. As such, it's a classic, so of course it was going to get an episode eventually on this podcast. However, it became top of mind when watching a live stream of the I Effing Love Whiskey Show on Twitch, that I've been fortunate to be a guest on twice, thanks Andrew and Joseph. And during the show, the guest was trying to describe a maraschino cherry, but couldn't quite find the name. I answered in the live chat with Luxardo, and discussion ensued. So Luxardo jumped to the front of the line, and here's the story. And yes, as an American, I grew up pronouncing maraschino as maraschino, but I'll strive to use the Italian pronunciation for this episode. The bottle of Luxardo I have for this tasting is the standard 750 milliliter bottle. It is 32% alcohol by volume, making it 64 proof. And it sells for about $30 to $35, depending on where you're at. The bottle is also very iconic. The thing that jumps out to you is it looks very old world, Italian specifically. It's tall, round, somewhat slender with green glass and a red screw cap, but the body of the bottle is fully wrapped in a synthetic straw with a white paper label applied over the straw wrapping. And I'll tell you why in just a bit. But first, let's open the bottle and taste it. All right, here we go. Screw cap. Oh, easy. Oh, it's got a little um, anti-splash pour. I do all my tastings neat, so that's room temperature. The spirit's not diluted. I'm just pouring it in a clean Glencairn glass. So we'll go for a little pour. Oh, that's... It's clear. Yeah, in the glass it is just clear. It looks like it could be a, a vodka or a gin. There's no color to it. It just is very clear. I should have mentioned earlier that Luxardo is made with a sour cherry, a special type of cherry, a Marasca cherry. So you'd expect the liqueur to be cherry flavored, and it kind of is. But on the nose, there's quite a bit more to it. So let's give it a nosing. Ooh, it's um, it's piney. Uh, it there's a little cherry to it. Let me let me get it again. It's unexpected. I will say the nose is. Not what I expected. This is the first time I believe I've ever had Luxardo Maraschino. Yeah, it's got a, um, like a pine balm tree sense to it. Um, let me give it another nosing. can feel a little, kind of a little too much of the ethanol off of it, but... Yeah, it's like a resiny, um... Uh, pine tree barky maybe some citrus don't really get cherry at all on the nose all right moment of truth so to speak let's give it a taste hmm. there's a sweetness but it's really really floral surprisingly there's a some okay there's some cherry that comes in 
afterwards, but it's really piney. There's a lot of tree flavor, like it just is making me think of pine sap. Let me try it again. Very velvety mouthfeel, probably the sugar. There's a mintiness that I get kind of in the finish. It's really, it doesn't last really long. Nice and clean flavor. It is not what I expected. It does not taste like you're drinking sweet cherries at all. It's not sour either, but it's more candy cane and pine bark. It, it's a lot more like Christmas flavors, but with a, a sweetness that's nicely balanced. It is minty, piney, surprising. I, I like it though. <laughs> it's good. I'm going for it again. Kind of final thoughts on, on the taste of it. It's very unexpected to me, but really layered and complex and a unique flavor, I would say. Nothing at all like a, what I would call a maraschino cherry. That flavor does not come through at all. Okay, let's move into the history. Luxardo this year celebrates its bicentennial, having been founded two centuries ago in 1821. The company is also a rarity in that it is still family-run, and currently the seventh generation of the Luxardo family is involved. In 1817, Girolamo Luxardo moved to the city of Zara in modern-day Croatia. Zara is also known as Zadar, and for the English-speaking world, that's how it appears on the map. But I'll continue with the earlier name. Zara is located across the Adriatic Sea from Italy at about the same latitude as the city of Florence. When Girolamo moved his wife and three children to the city, it was part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, and he was a consular representative of the Kingdom of Sardinia, which was the precursor to modern-day Italy. Zara had wild sour cherries growing around the city, and at the time it was common for people to make their own liqueurs or cordials using local fruits. Girolamo's wife Maria began making a version of the local liqueur known as Rizzolo Maraschino, using the sour cherries. Family lore says that Maria was making the Brizillo Maraschino to serve to guests and presumably for family use, and it's said that everyone found the product to be extraordinary. Girolamo thought there could be a business behind the liqueur, and in 1821 he founded the Girolamo Luxardo Company to commercialize the product. Sales grew quickly thanks to a refined product recipe and focus on exports. Always sold as a bottled product rather than by the cask or barrel as was common at the time for many whiskeys or wines, Luxardo needed glass bottles. The early ones were said to have been sourced from the renowned glass blowers in nearby Murano, a neighbor of Venice. However, the hand-blown bottles could be fragile and to prevent breakage, they'd be hand-wrapped in straw for shipping the straw helping to absorb the shock in a century before bubble wrap, styrofoam, or even cardboard was invented. So bottles came to the distillery straw-wrapped, and these would then be unwrapped in order to be labeled after filling with the liqueur, and then re-wrapped with straw for export. Girolamo soon realized that this was a lot of added labor and cost, and began to simply apply the label to the outside of the straw wrapping. This is not unlike the story of how Underberg, from the previous episode, came to be wrapped in paper with the label on the outside of the packaging. For Luxardo, the straw wrapping became so iconic it became a trademark. The bottles today are purportedly still hand-wrapped, but I'm a bit of a skeptic on that point. It seems like a lot of labor cost for a $30 retail price. The straw is now synthetic, but it retains the effect. 
It's also important to note that Luxardo did not invent maraschino liqueur. In fact, beyond the homemade versions available when the company was founded, there was at least one other commercial distillery producing maraschino liqueur in Zara. Luxardo, however, can be credited with making it a household name, and they're the only company today still making it in the traditional way. A burgeoning cocktail culture also spurred Luxardo along, as Maraschino found its way into bars across the world and into the hands of early bartenders inventing cocktails. These founding fathers of mixology used Maraschino as a sweetener in many cocktails. In fact, there's an early printed reference to Luxardo Maraschino being sold in New Orleans in 1839, so that straw wrapping had a very practical use. Through their success and expansion to other products, the Luxardo distillery was modernized and expanded in Zara. It was located right in the heart of the city at the waterfront. But then, as is the case with many European spirits companies, the First and Second World Wars took their toll and changed things dramatically. Luxardo survived World War I largely unscathed, but World War II was devastating and was nearly the end of the story. Allied bombing destroyed around 80% of the city of Zara, including the Luxardo distillery. And near the end of the war, the communists came into Zara and the people of Italian heritage had to flee, including the Luxardo family. However, sadly, not all survived. There were four brothers at the time, and only one, Giorgio Luxardo, was able to make it to mainland Italy and escape the communists. He was in the military at the time and happened to be stationed on mainland Italy, and he and his children and his wife and some extended family, some sisters-in-laws and cousins made it. Immediately after the war ended, Giorgio began looking to see if he could restart Luxardo from scratch. He had the name, the recipes, family, but no money. He spent some time looking for a place to resettle, and they ended up in Torreya. It's near Venice, kind of in northern Italy. The new distillery was founded in 1947, but the first three to four years, they didn't have any production since they were planting new orchards of the Morasca cherry trees. The pH of the soil in Torreya is very similar to that of Zara, and it was a bit of luck that Luxardo was able to restart with the same Morasca cherry trees. This was due to a professor from the University of Florence, a botanist, who prior to the war had traveled to Zara to meet with the Luxardo family to study the trees. Luxardo gave the professor some seedlings that he planted in Florence for his studies. Giorgio Luxardo remembered that after the war and traveled to Florence, met with the professor, gained some technical knowledge about the trees, and more importantly, got seedlings from the original Zara stock. Once planted in Torreya, the trees were cloned, and in 1999, the variety was officially recognized as a distinct cultivar of Morasca cherry named the Luxardo cherry. In recent years, the company has been planting more trees to meet rising demand for maraschino, as cocktail culture has returned to historic recipes and ingredients. Sales had declined in the latter half of the 20th century, but have picked up in the new millennium. Today, the seventh generation of the Luxardo family is running the company, including the first Luxardo female in more than 100 years. Of course, I can't produce this episode without addressing maraschino cherries, or maraschino cherries as we know them here in America. Luxardo sells authentic maraschino cherries, and these are non-alcoholic preserved morasca cherries in a morasca cherry syrup. They're pasteurized to be preserved so there's no alcohol, but they are used as a cocktail garnish. 
the fire engine red cherries that you'll get in cheaper bars or served as the topping of an ice cream sundae, the cherry on top. That is referred to as a maraschino cherry and legally sold as such in the United States, but it has nothing really to do with an authentic Luxardo maraschino cherry. Reason for this primarily was lobbying from fruit preservationists that had created methods of using sulfur dioxide and calcium chloride to bleach uh, common sweet cherries like the Royal Anne or Rainier varieties and take the color out and then they would be dyed with a red dye infused with a sugar syrup and some other components, oftentimes artificial almond extract, and that then created the preserved fruit that was softer and notably cheaper than the authentic maraschino cherries. And in 1940, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, under pressure from the canned cherry lobby, uh, revised their definition of maraschino cherries, allowing the fire engine red dyed ones to be sold as such legally in the stores. Prior to that, they had to be labeled as imitation maraschino cherries because the legal definition in the United States aligned with the authentic product that Luxardo sells to this day. So let's talk about how it's made. Luxardo maraschino liqueur is made from the Luxardo marasca cherry. The cherries are harvested in summer. First, the crushed cherry pulp, skins, juice, pits, branches, and leaves are infused in a neutral alcohol in large wood vats for a minimum of two years. And why do they throw in all the branches, leaves, and stems and everything else? I really don't know, to be honest. But that's probably a big factor in the flavor of the spirit. That's where all the piney bark uh, notes come from, I'm sure. It's the leaves, the resin. There's the cherry in there, but the pits and stems and all that plant matter is really what's giving you the flavor of Luxardo. But after two years of soaking in the neutral alcohol, the solids are removed and put into large ute bags or burlap sacks, essentially. And then these are placed into a pot still with the infused alcohol. This is then distilled to obtain maraschino distillate. The distillate is then matured in finished ash wood vats for 9 to 12 months. After this maturation, pure water and sugar is added to bring the product to bottling proof and it's bottled for sale. And presumably they have a whole team of people hand wrapping bottles with the synthetic straw. And then maybe machine labeling? I don't know. They say it's done by hand, I suppose. So on to cocktails and consumption. Luxardo has been around since the invention of cocktails. And with the strong export focus from the company early on, it's featured in many classic cocktails because it was one of the few products readily and widely available to bartenders. The cocktail perhaps best known to feature Luxardo is the Aviation. This is a gin cocktail first published in 1916. Luxardo Maraschino is only used in a small amount in the aviation, but it's a key component. I'll provide the recipe in show notes. Otherwise, Luxardo can be used to add some sweetness to a drink, but it's almost always used in a supporting role. So in summary, what do I think of Luxardo Maraschino liqueur? It's surprising. It really did surprise me. I expected a lot more cherry flavor, and that's just barely present. It's piney and pepperminty and Christmassy. And in mixing drinks, a little will go a long way. So I think I will have this bottle in my bar for quite some time. 750 milliliters when you're using quarter ounce, half ounce in a cocktail. You're not going to go through it very quick. But it is very iconic, and it's a great addition to the bar. It gives you that original flavor that you need when you're mixing classic cocktails. 
It's not bad neat, but I'm probably not going to drink much of it neat. I'll probably use it for some cocktails. And the story is a great one. I really love that the Luxardo family is still running the show, that they own and operate the distillery and are still going strong. So that's that's really cool. That's one of the reasons I have done this podcast is I really enjoy the brand stories of different distilled spirits. So that's going to do it for this episode of Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. Please subscribe and share. Tell your friends. Show notes are on liquorinthecoorconnoisseur.com. You can also find the show on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. The show is also on social media. I'm most active on Facebook and Instagram. I really love hearing from my listeners, so if there's a spirit you would like me to feature in the future episodes, please do reach out and let me know. And as always, thank you for listening. Thank you.